listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojah. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and today we're talking about cat pee. <laughs> yes, now that brings me to my rant of the week. Hit or miss litter box behavior tops the list of reasons cats lose their homes and their lives. Now, nobody wants to live with a pet that baptizes their furniture or sprinkles hither and yon. Poor potty habits can happen for a variety of reasons. And no, it is not vindictive behavior with a cat trying to get back at you because she's angry. Actually, any cat that's getting creative outside the box should be seen by the veterinarian to rule out a medical cause. So where's my rant this week? Well, you'd think that diagnosing and treating the medical cause would solve the problem. But even treated cats often continue to uh, spread their pee mail all over the place. Even owners who want to do the right thing, get their cats properly diagnosed and treated, become frustrated when their house turns into a gigantic cat toilet. Now what's up with that? Lucky for me, I'm here in Las Vegas at the Western Veterinary Conference attending seminars on dog and cat behavior and health. Dr. Jacqueline Nielsen presented tips for veterinarians on behavioral management of cats with idiopathic cystitis. Now that's a fancy term but it describes a condition that's a major cause of cats that pee everywhere. That's because cystitis is an inflammation of the bladder that makes the cat hurt and feel the need to, well, empty very often. And the term idiopathic means there's no specific cause, which, of course, complicates things. Dr. Nielsen, though, is a board-certified veterinary behaviorist practicing at the Animal Behavior Clinic in Portland, Oregon. And she's got some really great tips, not only for veterinarians, but for cat owners. So gather up all your cat kids, and we'll be right back with Dr. Nielsen after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. 
So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, and welcome to The Family Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Colleen Safford. Each week, we'll focus on different topics, child pet safety, child pet training, just how to make an appropriate pet selection for your family. All of these things will be covered in each one of our episodes. So we hope that you will join us at The Family Pet on Pet Life Radio. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. And please help me welcome Dr. Jacqueline Nielsen, a veterinary behaviorist practicing at the Animal Behavior Clinic in Portland, Oregon. Welcome to the show, Doctor. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, what I always like to do is ask first a little bit about yourself. What critters do you live with? What Do you have cats, dogs, other animals? Yes, well, I do. Um, so my personal pet collection. I have um, four cats right now and one dog. Ah, what are their names? Oh, gosh, I have um, Wheaty and Pearl, and then I have two new kittens. They're now about six months old, and they're Mo and Bug, and then my dog is Sophie Rose. All right, so so you have kind of the gamut there, then, dealing with multi-species and getting along with the cats and the dogs, and then also the kitten, adolescent kinds of things going on. What we're talking about today are some of the, you know, one of the major pet peeves that cat owners have, and that's hit or miss litter box behaviors and peeing outside of the box and we're here at the Western Veterinary Conference and you gave a wonderful lecture about some of these problems that cats have so what are some behavior modifications that might help cats with this idiopathic cystitis and and first what is idiopathic cystitis? Well that's a great place to start with a definition so there's lots of reasons that cats can um, urinate around the house and the three big categories are medical diseases and those encompass a whole range of medical diseases from mm-hmm. kidney failure to diabetes um, to urinary stones um, and so that that big medical category and then you have two behavioral causes and the first one is marking and marking is all about communication or as I like to call it pee mail yes. and then the um, toileting cat and that's a cat who is just for some reason has decided the litter box is not the desirable place to go or something else is better. So usually it's an aversion problem. They don't like something about the litter box or a preference problem. And that's all about evacuating the bladder and bowel. Okay. Are there any particular cats that are more prone to this age or breed predilections that that people might be aware of? Well, it's always interesting in cats because, um, you know, the dog world, we do have a lot of breed 
predilections. Oh, sure. Um, in the cat world, as far as from the, and this is not talking about the medical causes, but talking about the behavioral causes, there's no real um, well-defined predilection. Now we think about, we're starting to see some patterns. For example, we think that Bengal cats may be pre predisposed to urine marking, but it hasn't been established in good controlled studies yet. We do know that males tend to mark more than females, but certainly both genders can do urine marking. Sure, and that's baptizing all over the house, you know, with on the vertical positioning of the, of the urine rather than the horizontal. Right, well marking can have both horizontal and vertical, but you're right, the classical marking cat we think about is the one who sprays urine on the wall, and once again, both Boys and girls can do it. Right. Boys are more likely to do it. Okay, now I know a lot of people think, well, I got, my, I got my cat neutered. I got her spayed. So why is he still peeing on the bedspread? What's going on here? Yeah, another great question because um, urine, urine marking is often well controlled by neutering. So removing the, essentially the sex hormones can really reduce the incidence. And it's certainly the first step you should take if you have a cat that is marking. Um, however, it doesn't get rid of all of the hormones in their body, and there can be other motivations for it. I think about the two main things I think why cats mark is actually because of spatial organization. So when you have lots of cats, there may be more reason to leave messages around because they're trying to communicate more, essentially. And then um, the other one is arousal, so things that make them aroused. And we, we tend to think it's things that might make them mad or angry, and certainly those could arouse them. But I also think sometimes really happy events could arouse them. Oh, so food in the bowl, my cat, really. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and not all cats will mark because of that, but or you coming home, or sure. you know, some type of, you know, something, just an event that causes um, an increase in arousal levels make, may, and once again, this, these are some theories, contribute to marking behavior. All right, so, so what would an owner, of course they're going to see the veterinarian if it's a, to rule out medical issues, but what are some signs that they may be having an actual problem here with uh, the idiopathic cystitis that, that you talked about in your, your, your seminar. Right. Well, idiopathic cystitis, interestingly enough, is a medical cause. So it's one that we call out. It's, it's a medical um, cause that it's a, you have to, it's a diagnosis of exclusion, if you will, meaning that you have to rule out all those other medical causes. And so what it is, is it's an inflammation of the bladder. And the idiopathic part means we don't know what causes it. Oh, a mystery so, disease. A mystery disease, yeah. which are really hard because yeah. how do you treat a mystery? Right. You know, so we, but what we have identified, and we're still, there are amazing people working on the pathogenesis or trying to figure out what causes it still. So we're working on that so we can have a more targeted treatment. But in the meantime, what we found out is there are some things that you can do to not necessarily cure the disease, but maybe lower the incidence of events. Because this is a waxing and waning disease, and what it is is the cat gets really painful urinate, the bladder gets inflamed, and then they have to urinate. Oftentimes they have to strain to urinate, they may urinate blood, mm -hmm. so it's a really angry inflamed bladder. It's not an infected bladder. They usually, if you're a young cat with this, you usually don't have a bacterial infection, but you just have a painful bladder. So anyway, some of the things that we figured out is that it, it does appear to be related to stress, meaning that you can have an episode secondary to a stressor in the environment. So what we really look at behaviorally is, boy, how can we make them better by behavior? Can we minimize those stressors? So we look at an enriched environment. We want to have, you know, lots of resting perches, lots of feeding stations, lots of litter box stations. 
We want to have the best litter box you can offer them. So it's not a nasty bathroom porta potty experience, if you will, but you know, going into a spa-like environment for them. So I'm always looking at what does, and it's not really what we like, but what the cat likes. Right, because because I know that uh, a lot of owners have this this idea. Well, okay, uh, my cat has cystitis. That's why he or she's peeing outside the box. So we're going to treat the cystitis, and the veterinarian says we've treated it, and and it goes away, and then it comes back, and so. You know, if you treat something, isn't that supposed to make them well? Why are they still peeing? And and I think in your your seminar, you were talking about even though the disease itself may have result has been resolved, there still may be some behavior issues that linger on. Right. And so there's two things that happen with idiopathic cystitis. Once again, we don't really have a treatment to cure it necessarily. Mm -hmm. Some of those cats will recur regardless. But there's that other episode that let's say you have a cat that has one episode and it certainly does go away. It doesn't come back. Well, because it's waxing and waning, that may be part of it too, though. Well, it may be. Or some of them don't get recurrent. They just have a single episode or maybe they have some other condition like a bladder stone that the the veterinarian can Uh, deal with. They do nutritional intervention. They the, The stone dissolves, it goes away, but they still have that litter box issue. And the reason may be is that when they had that painful urination, they actually maybe decided, they thought, oh, I was in the litter, I went to the litter box to go to the bathroom. It hurt because they had a stone at the time, but they blame the litter or they blame the the box box or the location or, you know, the cat doesn't know why it's hurting. And so they may make associations that aren't necessarily true, but for them, Ah. they are true. Okay. So then we have to look at, boy, if we think that's happening, how do we change things up so the cat no longer has that negative association? So we have to get creative sometimes. Okay. Well, what we're going to do is, uh, in your lecture, you did talk about a number of ways that we can help cats with this, with behavior modification, maybe reducing the stress. Uh, So when we come back, we're going to take a break here in our radio program and come back and talk about how to create a cat considerate environment see i was listening you were. <laughs> uh, resolve rotten relationships and maybe talk a little bit about the option for drug therapy okay <laughs> okay time to call off the dogs pet peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. 
want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Doc. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Life Radio. Dot com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves, so here's Amy with some more tail tying, fur flying fun. We're back, and again, speaking with Dr. Jackie Nielsen, veterinary behaviorist, and she's practicing at the Animal Behavior Clinic in Portland, Oregon. Let's jump right back into it. What is a cat-considerate environment? Well, what I do is I look at, if you had a free-ranging cat, so a cat that was living out kind of outdoors doing normal cat behavior, what would they be doing? And you know what, they sleep and rest, just like our house cats, they sleep and rest a lot of the time. So 62% of the time they're sleeping and resting. Wow, 62%. That's a lot. That's high. But think about it, our our house cats probably do more of that even because the other portions of time, if you're living outside in the world, you're hunting about 15% of the time and you're grooming because you probably have parasites because you're not getting you know, protection against those 15% of the time. So, and then the rest is a balance of other behaviors, um, but a very small portion of them. So the vast majority of the time, you're either sleeping and resting, hunting or grooming. Well, our house cats don't have to do a lot of hunting to get their meals. And once again, their grooming may even be reduced somewhat due to good parasite protection that we provide. So what I'm looking at is saying, how do I make, how do I substitute in things to make it so that they can be more like their ancestors? And and so what we look at is, for example, even the sleeping and resting, we can improve upon that because cats do not like to sleep and rest on the ground. They might, they like perches. So can we provide them elevated perches? And I like to go with single cat sized because in a multi-cat household, that may reduce any conflict in case you're, you're sleeping on you know, the bunk bed. You don't want your sister jumping up next to you or your brother and punching you in the nose. And so if it was just enough for one. So it's all a stress reduction kind of a plan. That's the goal. And then with the, um, the hunting, they have some great new puzzle toys coming out on the market. So your cat just doesn't have to go up and eat, you know, stick their head in a food bowl and gobble down, <laughs> which also helps with right. preventing obesity if we have them work for it. So they have a new one that's coming out. It's called the Exerciser, or Eggsizer, I should say. Um, and it looks like a little egg, and you can put the kibble inside it, and then they have to kick it around to get pieces out. They have another one on the market currently. It's the Slim Ball. And they have different different um, varieties of it, and you just have to find one that your cat engages with. So do you have to teach the cat how to use this? Because I know yeah. some cats are pretty much... Yeah, they'll look at you. Are you insane? <laughs> My bowl is right there. Put it in the bowl. <laughs> well, there is. And, you know, especially um, there are directions that uh, I know for, for certain that the egg sizer is coming with good directions. Okay. Essentially what they do is you use it as a food bowl. You separate it at first and get the cat used to eating out of it. And then you gradually progress. And they make it, they have a graduated kind of difficulty scale. So at first it can be really easy to get the kibble out. And then you make it more challenging. Okay, well, what about, um, are there other 
considerations for the environment? Well, there are. Um, so with the when we talk about, I mean, if your cat doesn't want to use a puzzle toy, for example, you may even do just a treasure hunt with their food so you can put it around. Play, that's, you know, we can get a lot of that predatory hunting behavior out and play. So, and, and just buying toys isn't enough. Truthfully, cats don't really, I, it's not the toy necessarily that makes it great. It's that interaction. So you have to be on the other end of the toy. Right. I know that uh, a lot of people that I talk to will say, oh, I spent so much money on these wonderful cat toys, and I came home from the grocery store, my cat's playing in the empty paper bag. That's what they want. They right. want, you know, I drop a, a ping pong ball in the empty dry bathtub. And that keeps, you know, that way I don't have to get on my knees and drag it out from right. underneath the furniture. Right, right. Great, great strategies and techniques. And, and you know, and I, I'm as guilty as anyone. I mean, I must have 400 of the most oh, yes. expensive cat toys in my house. And my dog likes them. Yeah, my dog loves them too. Isn't that funny? <laughs> they tear them up. But, and some of those my cats will play with. But the most important part is if I get them out and play with them with those toys. Right. Well, and that helps with the human-animal bonding experience as well. That's going to, you know... The chances are, if the cat's peeing in the house and it's not fixed, that cat's either going outside or he's going to the shelter. So if you can increase that bond, you've got a little bit more wiggle room to resolve the problem. Right, and I've got to tell you, too, my happiest moments are I can get... A great giggle, a smile, a laugh when I start playing with my cat. And so, right. you know, even though sometimes it seems like a bit of a chore when I'm starting, I'm thinking about all those other obligations in my day. Sure. Let me tell you, that's the best time ever when I get down there. Well, what about, you talked about the best box. What is the best box for the cat? Well, I like to think of the ABCs of the best box, and that is, is that it's accessible, so it's somewhere that's not difficult for them to get to. And I also want multiple boxes spread out throughout the household. And our general rule of thumb is number of boxes should equal number of cats plus one. So if you have three cats, that means four boxes. If you have four, like I do, it's five boxes. I happen to have seven boxes, but I'm an overachiever. <laughs> um, and then, um, then the B is um, that you want to have it be big. Now, there's some anecdotal reports of cats liking bigger boxes. Um, I did a little study which showed a trend for them to use the biggest box when I offered them three different sizes. So it's certainly, it's like having that luxury bathroom event. You know, we appreciate it. It seems like the cats do as well. And then finally, the C stands for clean and clumping clay. Uh -huh. and, yeah, when, when we do preference studies on cats and we offer them different options of cat litter, repeatedly they go to the clumping clay litter. They like that sand-like texture. Yes. And you know, cats are descendants, or domestic cats are descendants of the African wild cat. And I think there's a real innate or kind of um, genetic predisposition. They really want to use that desert-like sand. And the clumping clay litter is a thing that best mimics it. It's the right density, it, you know, it's the right size right. granules. Well, what about, I know a lot of, of owners that I talk with have cats that they, they're trying to control their, the odor from the human standpoint. So they have the covered boxes, they have perfumes, they have all of those kinds of things. What's the cat thinking of that? Well, once again, cat, the one thing I do always want to preface all this with is the cats are individuals. That's what we love about them. And so each cat may have its individual preference. But in general, 
They're actually, the jury is out on scented litter. One study showed that it was a risk factor for elimination problems, but another study showed that it was not. I'm going to be doing uh, a series of studies in the next year that are really going to look at fragrance more carefully in relation to litter box usage. So hopefully I'll be able to give you more data on that. I will say this, my initial studies on fragrance um, show that cats, and most of cat owners will know this, cats don't like citrus in general. And I'm really concerned because some of the new litters that are coming out with citrus-related fragrances seem just ridiculous um, from, with that basis of knowledge. You know, so be careful. Beware. If you're going to get a fragrance, stay away from citrus. And if you really want a fragrance, my initial studies show that cedar may be the preferred of the fragrances. So I personally, if I wanted a fragrance, in, for whatever reason, as a human, I would get the cedar fragranced for my cat. But that aside, there are unscented litters, and that would be my probably top choice at this point. And maybe we'll find a scent that they like better than unscented. Well, I was wondering also, you had said something about resolving rotten relationships. Now, are these just the cat-human relationship, or cat to cat, cat to dog, cat to all the above? All of the above. You got it. So, and, and you know, and those can be very um, large problems that take quite a lot of work. However, there are some simple steps and some real basic things that every cat owner should know. And, oh, please tell us. Okay, so the first one is is that punishment for that urine that you find on your carpet, when you go drag the cat over there and tell them they're a bad cat or yell at them, whatever you might do, that is not going to help. Um, it is just not effective, and it may make the problem worse. So we have to stop that punishment model. We have to get to the root of the problem, find out if it's got a medical problem, it's marking, or it's got this problem with its litter box, and fix that. Not well, isn't, just, isn't just the yelling and that kind of thing, isn't that going to raise the stress level, which is actually causing some of the pee problem anyway? Could be. Yeah, exactly right. It could be making it worse. So you don't, it's, and it's not going to be effective. So we ha- I know it's frustrating, and it's very difficult just to let it slide. So but. go in a room and yell and scream at yourself. And then go Go to the gym and work out, yell and scream at the instructor and come home and clean it up. So yeah, so that's not just going to work. So that's one step on the human relationship. Now cat to cat relationship, if you have some um, aggression between cats in the household, some basic, once again, this is a very basic steps, but one of them may be looking at use of a pheromone in the environment. It's called feel away. It's available over the counter at many pet stores. They have a plug in diffuser, which is easy to plug it in and you let it go for a month and then you replace it. Um, you check it at a month and it probably will need replacement. Um, the other thing you can do is if you can figure out, if there's one bully cat, you know, the aggressor cat, it's just, and sometimes they're just obnoxious teenagers, I'll be frank with you. You know, they're not really mean cats. They're just, just juvenile delinquents. Exactly. And so those cats, if you can fit them with a belled collar so they make noise, the victim can then say, hey, you know, my bully's coming, bully brother's coming down the hallway. I'm going to get out of the way and you can avoid it. That environment, that enriched environment with multiple resources is critical here for intercat aggression problems so they never have to come in contact with each other if they don't want to. And then um, finally we've got the idea of um, kind of the, in some instances it is better to segregate them and whether that be partial or full segregation, um, there are some cats that just don't like to have, sub, you know, relationships. Yeah, now the owner is going to say, oh, but I can't said that's so cruel to put him in a room by himself and you say... I'll tell you, you know, Amy, I actually have... I told you I had four cats at the beginning. One of them lives a completely segregated life from the other three cats in my household. And so what I say, and you know what? Everyone is happier. 
she, I mean, everyone is happier. She's happier. I'm happier. My other three cats are happier. It's just a safer environment. So um, even though I know that initially that may be a difficult concept to kind of put your mind around, because ultimately we, you know, we want Disney, you know, we want the Disney World experience. We want everyone kumbaya and happy together. But sometimes it's not realistic, and sometimes they are happier apart. Think about if you have a, you know, maybe an ex in your life that you know, that you don't want to live with anymore, an ex-boyfriend, husband, whatever, girlfriend, um, that it just doesn't work out. You're not, can't cohabitate successfully. And then, um, so that, so that's something to think about. Well, what about drug therapy? I mean, a lot of people are looking at the media talking about Prozac for pets. It's a magic wand. You give them a pill, all your problems are solved. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be nice. You know, I'm, I'm way okay to be out of a job. If we could find the magic, I am happy to retire. But that's, unfortunately, there is no magic. Now, I will say this, that drug therapy is, um, it can be quite remarkable in certain cases, but you have to have a targeted treatment program, meaning you have to know, it's not you can just say all peen responds to drugs because it doesn't. So you have to have a diagnosis and then the targeted treatment. And where the Prozac or it's fluoxetine or um, reconcile in the dog world, um, where it comes into play is in marking cats. We've shown that it's highly effective at controlling urine marking. If all environmental modification is not successful, I certainly consider that. But for other things, um, for example, litter box aversion, there's not a drug in the world that's going to make your eye like a porta potty and probably a cat like a litter box, you know, yeah. that is really nasty and that hasn't been cleaned regularly. So, so there are times where it will be ineffective and there's always a risk-benefit ratio when you look at drug therapy. Yeah. So you want to weigh that and make sure that you're, you know, not taking too great a risk for the potential benefits. What kind of um, a prognosis could you suggest for these cats that are that are peeing outside of the litter box, the idiopathic cystitis cats, and, and the cost involved for, you know, going through this whole process, trying to get them fixed? Right. Well, you know, the cost can really vary depending upon the medical workup and what's mm-hmm. done. And the nice part about it is veterinarians can um, obviously talk with individual owners about their financial resources and then spend that money wisely and and take a stepwise approach to it. So it's not that you necessarily have to do everything from the get-go. In one study, what they showed was, and these were people who were financially strapped, who had cats with idiopathic cystitis, and so they didn't have the ability to do not only a a full workup, um, but even really invasive treatment options. And what they actually found were that in this, it was a small group of cats, I think it was 12 or so that they did, don't quote me on that, but it it was small, it wasn't a large, large number, but what they found was 75% of the cats enrolled in the study when they did these kind of very basic steps, basic medical management initially, and then the environmental enrichment we talked about, that they actually had, 75% of them had no recurrence at a year. Wow, that's great. That is great. So, you know, so it... It's worth it. I mean, the effort can pay off um, for it. So, okay. Well, that's great. Is there any anything coming down the pike? The future outlook for this? Anything that's going to be even better for our cats? You know, I think there is, and research is. You know, that's going to be truthfully what's going to give us ultimately our answers. And really what we're looking for, especially with this idiopathic cystitis that you were talking about, is what what is causing it. We need to get rid of the idiopathic part of it and figure out, you know, what is the cause. And then we'll be able to target treatment. And as I said, we're doing more and more research 
on litter to try find out you know what is the ultimate litter for the majority of cats and um, there's all kinds of exciting things. Cats are I think cats are really coming into their own and they're it's about time. It is about time and you know and they're getting the recognition they need and also that kind of interest in their conditions and funding etc. So I'm excited. I think it's good. Good news for cats. We're out of time. And I'd like to thank Dr. Jacqueline Nielsen and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. Don't forget to subscribe to the free Pet Peeves newsletter available at Shajai.com purrs and trills until next time. Folks, your cat relies on you to keep her happy and healthy, and cat-considerate environment helps keep you happy and stress-free as well. Your cats don't have to suffer from some specific illness to benefit either. Healthy cats enjoy having a cat-considerate environment, and every cat deserves to be happy. After all, you don't want your cats to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.